0: Welcome to Call Your Girlfriend,
1: <laughs> a podcast for long-distance festies everywhere.
0: I'm Amina Tussauds.
1: And I'm Ann Friedman. On this week's agenda, we have Cheeto Watch featuring the crumbling of characters like Mike Flynn and Andy Puzder <laughs> and the decline of Kellyanne Conway, plus a powerful handshake with Justin Trudeau. Uh, we also have an interview with the incredible Tiffany Dufu who is a writer, a speaker, an activist, who's written a book called Drop the Ball, Achieving More by Doing Less, which don't we all want that? The Cheeto is crumbling. That is like the, the headline. <laughs> the headline. Orange dust has fallen all over America. <laughs> we, are, we are like still in resistance mode, but some things are maybe starting to give. I don't know. I, th- I, that's the headline of like what, what I have been paying attention to for the week. I'll be frank. There's some like B-level news, but like that's the headline.
0: Here's the problem with all the news is that you literally step away to do like your real work Or like, I don't know, take the train for 30 minutes and like some like big news has happened. I just, the pace is unsustainable. Did you see
1: there's a website called like What the Fuck Happened Today that aggregates it all? Like there are some things like that that I appreciate, but it doesn't actually reduce the overwhelm for me to read it all in one place or like read the news like at night and like check back. I went to the spa for like, Four phoneless hours yesterday, and still felt overwhelmed when
0: I checked. And the in. government had crumbled, like literally.
1: <laughs> I mean, like
0: we had we had pledged allegiance to Russia, and the government had crumbled. And <laughs> all you did was get a body scrub.
1: It's true. I didn't even get a body scrub. It was like a quick spa trip. I mean, I. Oof.
0: That's crazy. I mean, let's just put it in context this way. Yesterday, two lady assassins, one wearing a T-shirt that said "LOL" on it, assassinated. <laughs> the like stepbrother I guess half brother half brother -brother. step half brother the half brother of the North Korean dictator and that was not the craziest story of the day it wasn't even like top 10 I know but you
1: should really check out the screen grabs of like the security footage of the women in the lol shirts because if you were going to be a repressive regime's hired assassin you definitely are wearing a lol shirt what it's mind blowing
0: I know here's the problem with these lady assassins I was honestly really disappointed because I feel like one of them got captured today at the airport so they assassinated him at the airport right and then she showed up at the airport again like they don't have CCTV with her face on it Here's the problem. In the movie version of this, right, you like run to another terminal and get on a plane to like Switzerland and then nobody ever finds you.
1: Yes, immediately. You don't put on your WTF shirt and go back to the airport the next day only to be caught. I know.
0: I'm embarrassed for lady assassins (laughs) everywhere.
1: (laughs) Um, Yeah, but it's totally crazy. And so, you know, the, the news, obviously, like everyone watched Our like cheeto president absorbed this news because, like, guess what? One of his supporters was like taking photos at his private resort that he's using for personal enrichment while he's president. I mean, every part of this is crazy, even, like, the way it's filtered through and into American
0: politics. (laughs) Right. It's like they're out there, like, sitting at Mar-a-Lago, which, dude, I get so angry when they call it the Winter White House. I'm like, I'm sorry. First of all, that's garbage. And second of all, that's just another one of your get-rich-quick, like, schemes.
1: Yeah, especially when it's... So they're just sitting
0: there, like, talking about secure stuff, like, in front of everybody, right? I'm just like, this... It's like people who are in the spy business, like you've just made it too easy for them.
1: Yeah. I mean, I guess if the spy business is like LOL t shirts show up at the airport the next day, maybe they need it to be made that easy for them. (laughs) Like maybe that's the lesson of like he's meeting them at their level.
0: Incompetent spies everywhere. Oh my God.
1: But, uh, well, we did get a spy related resignation this week as well sort of
0: oh my god are you talking about mike flynn senior (laughs) i am mike wait is he mike flynn senior (laughs) well yeah oh my god do you not know about mike flynn jr who is like one of the biggest ringleaders of pizzagate what I'm not going to explain Pizzagate on this podcast because we don't have time, but like Google do it. Do yourself a favor. I did not um, know that. Also, Mike Flint, Mike Flynn Jr. is kind of part of the reason of why Mike Flynn Sr. got fired because he tried to get security clearance for his like conspiracy theory mongering son. Whoa. And also he like committed treason with Russia. <laughs> right. Side note, committed treason. I've been dying to say treason on this podcast, so I'm happy. Ugh. Literally, our government has like pledged allegiance to Russia. It's nuts. This is
1: where the kind of screaming fake news, like false equivalencies start to really, like their strategy can really pay off, right? Because it's like, oh, when the truth sounds like this absurd, and you've done all this work to discredit real reporters who are breaking this, then, I mean, it's already hard enough to sort of say, look, here's real reporting that supports a thing that sounds so nuts. It sounds like a conspiracy, like, IE, like, you know, pre-internet scandal Watergate, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like,
0: oh. Well, I know. And the whole thing is a fuck, right? Like I, it's really hard for me to sit and like watch Republicans, for example, really, really, Pretend that this is not the biggest scandal since Watergate, like what is happening right now with Russia? It's really weird to me that like everybody is rooting for the deep state, you know, like they on some level I think that it is like fundamentally like really scary that Our intelligence agencies are reporting on private conversations that people have and they don't tell you what the contents of the conversations are But we're supposed to believe that they're nefarious People are just, like, rooting for the wrong thing, left and right. It's like, no, all, none of this is normal, and none of it is good. Like, <laughs> like the FBI is not, like, the person to root for. The government is not the person to root for. And at the same time, like, everybody is terrible. Uh, I was watching, I think it was, like, on, it was, like, I watch too much cable news these days. It's always on in the background. But somebody asked one of the, like, uh, Republican, like, no-name congressmen. You know how there's always, like, one guy from sure. nowhere. One of them, they were like, why do you think that GOP is really quiet on this? And literally his answer, his answer was, um, well, it's Valentine's Day. They're probably having breakfast with their wives.
1: Shut <laughs> up. <laughs> no.
0: I was like, hand to God, that was like the quote. And the part about this that's nuts is I'm like, oh my God, you people are all liars. Like you're all, you just like didn't want a lady president. And now you've, you like, you're in bed with Russian intelligence. Like this is insane. I know
1: every new development in this Russia story, I picture a majority of Americans screaming butter emails in unison, (laughs) butter emails, like, like seriously, um, I just can't even, I don't know. And that's why I said the thing about sort of like this false equivalency of between scandals that like they have managed to create by discrediting everything. And also by like, you know, like having people interview Republicans who say with a straight face, Oh, because it's Valentine's day. Like I hope whoever was hosting that news program, like looked into the camera and apologized to all the
0: viewers. No, this whole thing is crazy, but it's also just realizing, you know, it's like, obviously like everybody knows that like, congress is partisan and everybody is partisan but this is a huge scandal this is like actually a serious regardless of your party affiliation everybody should be really shocked about what is happening here never mind i take it all back you elect a reality tv personality you're gonna get a reality tv presidency
1: uh, yeah, I mean, and along those lines, uh, not our girl Kelly and QVC Conway also on the outs, although not officially resigned
0: at this, at the, as of this recording. People are saying, and a lot of people, that he unfollowed her on Twitter. No,
1: wait, shouldn't we be able to check
0: this? Yeah, but I mean, I'm not gonna do the work when there's just rumors out there. Please,
1: this is an easily verifiable <laughs> rumor. That's all I'm saying.
0: Yeah, so. So she's also like she changed her picture to like some like fake empowerment shit and she changed her header. It used to be like a Trump thing and now it's not. And I was like, oh, oh what's going on here? What's next? An iOS press release about how you guys aren't friends anymore. What's going to happen? I can't
1: wait to see her maker's speech about being a powerful woman outnumbered in the White House. Like what the hell? <laughs> that is like that is like the pivot is ready. She's ready to do it.
0: She's such a snake, like, she always uses, like, tries to use feminism in these, like, ways that she thinks are really wily and smart, and instead it's, I'm like, no, constant vigilance, like, we see you, you're a bad person.
1: Speaking of wily figures, I know you saw our Canadian trying to be feminist heartthrobs visit to the White House, well documented.
0: You mean Canadian Joanne the Scammer? (laughs) (laughs) Justin the Scammer? Indeed. You know who I'm talking about. I was so annoyed to see him come visit, as he calls us, his neighbors to the south.
1: I had like the full spectrum of emotions watching the clip of the handshake um of the, the like check was epic the, the, so i encourage anyone with a passing interest in various modes of masculinity and power and dominance to study this like tiny clips i want someone to write a dissertation about different ways of trying to telegraph many many messages to the world with like this like one gesture because it was pretty epic he had clearly reviewed tapes like like some kind of like you know, getting ready for like a major sports event. Yeah, or, he's like, how do you
0: neutralize somebody who's like handshake you don't really want to participate in?
1: I know, but I was like, he should have just let him down some stairs.
0: Because <laughs> <laughs> as we all, because people are saying, that people are saying, people are saying, our president's afraid of stairs.
1: Or like, you know, asked him what the last book he read, or like try to make him read something on the spot, like to be true to this podcast favorite conspiracy theory. Obviously, we are. Trudeau skeptics in terms of like him being totally perfect but like just just in terms of if you're seeking to humiliate someone who is as boorish as like the Cheeto it's almost like you play his game you fall by his rules like it ends up looking like a weird masculinity off no matter what um you know what I mean like it like it would have played differently I feel like if if he were like a female leader I don't know
0: it's true. Well, one of my favorite things about this visit that was really weird is that this is the visit that they used to, like, talk about lady empowerment. Oh so my God. obviously, like, uh, Ivanka was there. And then there was, like, a room full of, like, Canadian business ladies who live in America. Like, it was so strange. But the best part of all of it was all of the pictures of Ivanka just, like, being so excited that Trudeau was there on some real, like, ladies-leave-your-man-at-home shit. It was so funny. <laughs>
1: I mean, he seems like he could be her type, you know.
0: I mean, he's definitely her type. He's like <laughs> her. He's like yes, no, definitely. But she was so smitten, and I was like, look at this the signs of life. She she laughs. I know.
1: Oh, what else? Any, any any remaining items for Cheeto Watch before we move on? I mean, a lot of
0: things are like it, we haven't even like covered the surface, so it's like yeah, it's like <laughs> Kellyanne is bad. Mike Flynn is hopefully will go to jail. Omarosa, who, like, definitely got hired because she's a goon, she threatened uh, April Ryan, who is, like, this um, really awesome journalist lady, and basically, like, almost, like, came to fisticuffs in the White House, and other people saw this, and Omarosa was just, like, got in her face and, like, threatened her with, like, dossiers that the White House has on journalists, which, like, seems really nefarious, but I'm, like, from observing this White House i don't believe that they have a dossier on anybody i'm like you guys can't even like fill out paperwork to keep the lights on in here
1: it's like a google doc with three links in it that no one remembers to
0: update that's like the dossier it's just like who almost hits somebody at work you know what i mean like it's so disrespectful also april ryan is an icon like don't come for her
1: and also what is Omarosa's long game like honestly that's what I just keep thinking about it's like okay Kellyanne like we see the QVC pseudo feminist right wing exit plan for you right like I can see it but like what is Omarosa's exit plan
0: just being a goon
1: well and we haven't even talked about like how Oprah factors into this week's Cheeto Watch news which is like a gross oversight
0: oh my god Oprah um first of all Happy Valentine's Day to my real parents, Oprah and Stedman.
1: <laughs> we love you. We love you.
0: Thanks for thanks for your love and for making me.
1: Yeah, so um, the background is we have known for some time that Andy Puzder, who is the... Uh, Captain Hardee's. Ca- Captain, well, Carl's Jr. slash Hardys. <laughs>
0: <laughs> So So Carl Sr.
1: Carl Sr., was accused by his ex-wife of being physically abusive to her um which came S- out during sidebar the-
0: so many of these cabinet nominees have been like accused of beating their wives
1: well you know what it's a strong predictor for terrorism so that makes a lot of sense yeah um, white white male terror-
0: terrorism actually all terrorism Never mind. exactly
1: <laughs> yeah no and so then these like men are just collectively terrorizing us Anyway. So, yeah, so we kind of we we had known about this. It was covered at the time in the local press in Missouri, and it was it was like you know made made like lady internet and mainstream like news outlets when he was nominated. But like it didn't really seem to get much traction with republican senators i e the people whose like votes matter most when it comes to opposing him until a political reporter finally got the tape of his Ex-wife's appearance incognito on Oprah's show to talk about these allegations. Yeah, because
0: Oprah turned the tapes over.
1: I mean, this is a strong,
0: like a strong possibility, right? No, I I think it was reported that that's actually exactly what happened. Yes. Sidebar: People are saying. People are saying. People are saying. (laughs) That's why I'm. That's why I'm going to cover my ass anytime I say something that I'm like not willing to look up again.
1: People are saying, i.e., it might have been a tweet, or it might have been a deeply sourced article in a reputable news People outlet. People are saying, but you
0: know, Oprah does this shit all the time. Like, um, this is how that Ducker brother, the one who like molested his sisters, that's how he got off out of the pain is um, Oprah had uh, Oprah had the evidence, and then she like released it. Oh my god!
1: So after this footage was released, which like, P.S. her incognito look on Oprah is really strong. And I'm not only saying that. I know it's very strong. Yeah, I mean like I know sidebar very serious issue not to detract but she does look incredible. And it's also worth mentioning that his ex-wife later retracted the allegations. And so you know whatever there's all of there's all of that complicated mess going on. But the tape was sufficiently persuasive to a handful of GOP senators that he scurried back into his little like fast food hole. Yeah, that,
0: that guy is such a piece of shit. Oh my God, I'm, like, glad he's... Ugh. Yeah, it's, like, get him out of here. Yeah, the
1: worst. So um, that is another thing that happened. That was, like, Oprah ex machina. Like, every week a different <laughs> black woman is saving the country. <laughs> like, like <laughs> so good.
0: That's our gift for you for Black History Month. Don't worry.
1: Oh, my God, so many... Black History Month is the month that keeps on giving. This is, like, the month where we've started to see, like, I think some, like um, real progress on like the resistance. So give us a whole year,
0: black history year.
1: I mean, I'm willing to extend it for as long as necessary, i.e. decades.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Black history millennium. Thank you.
1: That's a great project. That'll be like your like retirement career, black history millennium. Okay, so in a very non-newsy, like, exhale-together break, <laughs> Shh, <wooza. sighs> <laughs> um, I interviewed the incredible Tiffany Dufu, who is a writer and an activist and a speaker and someone whose work that I've known about for a while but who I have never met IRL. And she has a new book out this week called Drop the Ball, which, listen, listen to this subtitle. It says, Achieving More by Doing Less. Oh, my God.
0: Sold. She
1: can sell this book to any woman ever anywhere with a subtitle like that. I'll let her explain it in our conversation. But I think that she's sort of targeting it uh, in many ways at women who have a lot of responsibilities with their families or at home and also have a lot of really big, important drives and desires in their careers. However, there is like a really important in this political moment lesson as well of like, what are the things that you can kind of let go and let slide when everything feels big and pressing and important? Tiffany, thanks for being on the podcast.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: I'm really excited to talk to you in part because you are a woman who specializes in feelings of overwhelm. Yes. <laughs> I, think, I think that, and I think that, that is, those are feelings that many of us are having right now. Maybe you can talk a little bit about your work and about your book and about what you
2: do yeah absolutely well my life's work is advancing women and girls when people ask me at cocktail parties what do you do that's what i say um so my life is very simple i already know what's on my tombstone and i'm just kind of project managing my my god what's the phrase
1: what's the phrase on your tombstone sorry i have to know
2: (laughs) she got to as many women as she could Oh, my God. I love that. Sorry to cut you off. Okay. (laughs) No, 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 it's fine. But either way, you know, I'm just kind of project managing my life backwards. And right now I feel really lucky that I get to execute my purpose as the author of Drop the Ball and also as chief leadership officer at LAVO. And, you know, for most of my career, I've been focused and on collective solutions to, getting more women into leadership, which is one of the things I'm pretty obsessed about. And so I've been largely an advocate for equal pay for equal work, for public policies like affordable childcare, for corporate practices like flex work situations, in order for us to create environments and cultures where women can bring their full selves to the table. But I wrote this book because that wasn't necessarily what women were asking to talk about with me. So I have a public speaking practice, and particularly in 2013, because I was a surrogate for Lean In, I was on the launch team for Lean In, I did a lot of public speaking. And one of the observations that I made was that every time I would give a speech, for 45 minutes or an hour about all of these collective solutions that I thought were really important, the first set of questions I would receive immediately following in the Q&A would be what seemed to me personal questions that had nothing to do with what I had just spoken about. So, for example, I'd wrap up a talk and a woman would raise her hand furiously and say, okay, I have a question, Tiffany. Um, I heard you talk about your daughter who's seven and your son who's 10. And you said something about your husband and he's in Dubai right now. You're in San Francisco with us, but you live in New York and tomorrow you're gonna be in Baltimore. I really like your dress. Your shoes are great too and you seem really happy and perky and fit and you're into this career that you have that's all about your passion and purpose and honestly I'm just trying to figure out how are you doing all of this?" And you know all of the other women in the audience would just kind of you know clap like yeah we were kind of wondering the same thing. And I would always answer that question with this one-liner. I would say, well, I just expect far more from my husband and way less from myself than the average woman, which got enough laughs that I could move people on to what I thought were the more substantive questions that they should be asking me about what we're gonna do for all women. (laughs) Um, But one day, I literally stepped back from the podium and I had what I call a Tiffany's Epiphany, which was- (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) <laughs> um, Tiffany, that they're, it's not about you, honey. They're not asking you how do you manage it all because they care about you. They're asking you that question because they're trying to figure out for themselves, how can I manage it? And the answer that you're giving them is not sufficient for someone whose life's work is advancing women and girls. You owe them a better answer. And you, one of the things that Marie Wilson taught me, who's just my sage and my mentor and my sponsor, which I hope we'll get to um, the importance of those people in your life. She taught me that Tiffany, if you ever wanna create real change in the world, you're gonna have to meet people where they are. And what occurred to me in that moment was that while I was pushing women to aspire to be a CEO or a Senator or an entrepreneur, that they were telling me, okay, that's great, but I'm just trying to figure out how to get out of the house with everyone at the right time with the right backpack. So can you like just help me with that first? And I realized over time as I delved into this work, that it's very difficult to be ambitious and to live your ambition when you just have a lot on your plate and you're very overwhelmed. And in fact, the overwhelm itself can stifle our ambition. And that's why I decided that I needed to write something that, in my opinion, now in hindsight could have been a precursor to lean in, which is drop the ball first, honey, so that you have the bandwidth to lean in.
1: You and I both live in a country that has pretty inadequate social policies to support, like, women, but, like, you know, people in general, like, trying to sort of live a full life. So, like, part of me is, like, this is a problem that definitely manifests itself among women who have a certain career aspiration or devoted in a certain way to like a life passion, but it's like, it's also kind of an everyone problem. Right. Um, mm-hmm. as I was reading your book, you know, the thing like when I went into it with this number one question, which is dropping the ball sounds great. Achieving more by doing less sounds perfect. Like I, there's nothing I want to do more than achieve more by doing less but which balls to drop? How do you start to like really pick apart what that means? What can you let go of when there, there frankly, are not that many external supports
2: for a lot of this stuff? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So the honest answer to the question that they were asking me, needed I needed to tell my own story, which is that the person that they were seeing in front of the room with the beautiful shoes and the dress that seemed to have had it all together, she wasn't always like that, right? There was a point in time where I, quite frankly, was a hot mess. And the the first step in me figuring out what balls to drop, because in the beginning I didn't know that balls could be dropped. I was terrified of dropping balls and thought it was really important to have it all together in order to be successful. So this was certainly a huge evolution for me personally. But the first step for me was getting clear about what mattered most to me. And that is normally where I start with women, because when I begin to just start with what's on your plate and what is it that you feel pressure to do and what is it that you have to do, a lot of what I receive back are often expectations that originated with other people, not with her herself. And so, you know, the first step is really taking a step back and evaluating, hmm, you know, what is it that I want to do in the world that's going to make a difference? What are the things that are important to me, whether it is my family or my career or my friendships or my own personal well-being? And what do I hope to achieve in relationship? to those things. And one of the things that I started with was that my life's work is advancing women and girls. That's certainly one of the things that matters most to me. But two other things involve nurturing a healthy partnership with my husband and raising conscious global citizens. And you know, on a daily basis, I'm very focused on relentlessly figuring out what my highest and best use is to achieving what matters most to me because what that does is it creates a filter whereby you can do something, you can prioritize, or you can completely obliterate the things that are on your list. And there are certainly some things that can be and should be delegated to other people, but the point of the book at the end of the day, the ball that I really would hope women to drop is the unrealistic expectation that we are supposed to do a lot of things that don't necessarily ladder up to what matters most to us, or that don't necessarily reflect our highest and best use in doing what matters most to us. So that's where that's where I begin. Yeah, and it can be so
1: hard. I think, I mean, definitely speaking personally, but also, you know, based on conversations I've had with friends, like figuring out what is just an external expectation of you that you don't, that doesn't actually align with things that you care about. But Mm -hmm. like, but you know, like, I I mean, I I know what you're saying sounds like really in a way, like simple in a refreshing way. I don't, I don't mean that in, in a demeaning sense at all, but, when I start to think about it for myself, I'm like, oh, do I feel better when my office is clean because (laughs) that's like an important thing for my work life? Or is that like an expectation I've internalized? I mean, that's a really minor example. But, you know, I do think that it can be really difficult for women sometimes to separate external expectations from their internal desires and and.
2: Oh, it's excruciatingly difficult. In fact, it's so difficult because we like to imagine and think of ourselves as empowered modern women who are our own change agents, because that's what we were told that we were. So it's a very difficult pill to swallow when, you know, I, I talk to women who, for example, seem to have this very common expectation as young mothers that they're supposed to be there for their child's first steps. This is one of the Responsibilities that's in a job description, apparently, for all very good, responsible mothers. And I find it fascinating that, regardless of where she came from or what her family values were or how she was raised, she feels this pressure. Um, And it ends up being this narrative often at the beginning of your kind of career, you figuring out, you know, what your priorities are. What you're going to do about this moment where your child you know takes their first steps and and what you're going to do about it so and and if you ask her she'll tell you no no i want to be there because i think that's really important and then when i say but I speak to women every week, like six or seven women a week. I don't say no to any woman that reaches out to me. And I've been doing this for five years. And every woman, when she gets to this point in her motherhood, feels very strong that she's supposed to be there. How can it be that it really came from you? And it's really originating with you. If nearly every woman that I'm talking to feels this pressure. I, I, I suffice that it must come from something outside of ourselves. And for me, that was the first step, was really delving into Why is it that I feel like I'm a bad mom if my child's hair isn't done? Why is it that I feel like I've committed some kind of moral transgression if the dishes are piled up? What is it about my connection, this relationship between my value and my worth in the roles that I'm playing and the performance of those roles that my husband doesn't seem to have at all? If our son needs a haircut, it never would occur to him that he's a bad father because because was a haircut <laughs> for you know for all of us it's very different for me a lot of it came from my childhood it came from the model that my mom set uh, and her expectations of course she didn't have a full-time career outside the home she didn't have a smartphone she didn't even have an email when <laughs> i was growing up <laughs> um some of it came from popular culture i love i grew up on the cosby show i thought i was going to be claire huxtable that's that was my model of a, a strong smart capable woman you know it never occurred to me as an adolescent watching you know the Cosby show that the idea of a woman having five perfectly well behaved children a clean home and making partner at a law firm was kind of ridiculous and, and would have right. been a very difficult thing for me to achieve so you know part of it is really separating what was the social conditioning? What were the expectations that we were taught to feel our hours? And what are the things that now in our current form in life we choose and we identify are the things that are really important to us?
1: So do you have um, exercises or tips for how um, women can start to unpack that for themselves?
2: Absolutely. So I really value an internal and an external approach. So I start with a woman really figuring out what is her relationship with herself there are a couple of exercises one of them is really cheesy but it works it was made popular by Stephen Covey in his book the seven habits of highly successful people and it's a funeral visualization exercise I don't know if you've ever tried it where you imagine although it sounds very morbid um, people eulogizing you at your funeral so you imagine the future you don't imagine a tragic death you imagine you know you're in your 90s, let's say, and you die peacefully, what is it that a family member, a coworker, or a friend might say about you and the impact that you had on the world? And there's something about shifting your perspective to really think about the end of your time and your journey on this planet and this lifetime that helps you to gain clarity about what really matters most to you and what you want to be known for and what really is important to you. Sometimes when I'm coaching women, I can guide them to another exercise. So for example, a lot of people have vivid dreams, but they tend not to write them down. Another way to really get in tune with your own voice and with what matters most to you is to just simply write, like have a notepad by your bed. And as soon as you wake up, just write down your dreams, everything that you can remember, and do that for a few weeks, and then go back and read it. And it's amazing the kind of clarity and the kind of imagery that comes forth. The second half of the process involves getting feedback from people who know you and have known you in different contexts and in different times in your life. And just asking them one simple question, which is, when have you seen me at my best? Can you talk about when you've ever seen me at my best? And to just listen. And after you do it with three or four people, as many people as possible, but even three or four, you can begin to circle the words and the phrases that are common. And what it does is it gives you a sense of, what are people's consistent experience with Tiffany or what is their consistent experience with Anne that's kind of the thread that's always been there that can help me to figure out when I mirror that with my own reflection upon myself and the impact I want to make what really matters most to me so that's that's where we that's why I start
1: Yeah. And then, oh God, I love, sorry. I'm like, I'm already like, like down the funeral exercise in my head. It's like (laughs) you were talking and I was listening, but I was also mentally sort of at my funeral during that, (laughs) during that part. Um, it would seem like the next step is also sort of acting on that. Right. Like then, (laughs) and, um, you know, not to harp on this point about support, like obviously like you work, you work on these issues. So, you know, like that, Um, you know sometimes whether it's cultural or whether it's like economic or really concrete like it, it it is like difficult sometimes to actually then act on The results of all of these conversations with friends and all of your dream journaling and and all of that. So, is this something that, like, you know, the next step of this is women doing that individually? Are are there some, like, collective answers to this, too? Wow,
2: you know what my collective answers holistically are. um, Because I just (laughs) think that that women need more support and families, quite frankly, just need more support overall with some of this. Women are not going back home. Like, we are the primary breadwinners in 40% of households. And we really do need systems set up in order for us to thrive. I think the challenge for me was women kept saying, I get that, Tiffany, but I just need help right now. So what is a woman who is overwhelmed and has a lot of things on her plate to do in the meantime before society catches up? And my answer is, well, she'll have to redefine what it means to be both a caregiver and a breadwinner. For herself and for her family as opposed to adopting you know this idea that she's supposed to do that according to other people's expectations and that she's supposed to do that flawlessly. Uh, in the book there are women who I learned a lot from because they weren't partnered in a traditional sense and so they had to be much more creative in figuring out what their scaffolding was, who were the members of their village. I interviewed two women who were single, they had both been divorced, they both had sons that were about a year and a half apart in age, and they had decided that they would essentially become roommates and that they would share living expenses, they would share childcare, so they would, you know, each take turns taking care of them boys and making sure that they got what they needed and their running joke whenever either one of them went out on a date was have fun but don't go crazy and marry him (laughs) Um, (laughs) because they had really figured out how to be all in partners with one another even though they weren't married in the traditional sense you know I come from a culture in which two people aren't completely charged with raising one or two children anyway. My parents were foster parents when I was growing up, so I always had this sense that it's a village and it's a community that raises children and supports us in our lives. So it may be that it's a little bit easier for me to pull people in to the circle, but certainly everyone from your mentees to your sage mentors to your neighbors um, can be pulled in in order to help you drop the ball. Right.
1: Um, this seems like a really good time to talk about your day job and, and some of your work in terms of maybe um, in a little bit more active and concerted way, trying to make these networks um, of support for women.
2: Oh, absolutely. My day job is as chief leadership officer of Levo, which is a platform for Millennial professionals to help them elevate their careers, but more importantly just to help them create a life that they're passionate about and anyone who's listening who needs support and wants it, should absolutely go to levo.com. It's L-E-V-O dot And there are local Levo chapters and many markets around the world where you can connect with real life people. But if you just visit the platform, there are people, mentors, who are there to help you achieve clarity through guidance and encouragement, which at the end of the day is what we all need in order to be successful. I talk to so many women And who feel guilty. You know, guilt is this strong sense that you've committed a moral transgression. And I find it ironic and absolutely heartbreaking that the people who spend the most time caring for, and being there for and trying to support themselves and others are the very same people who feel that they've committed a moral transgression in the process of doing that. And if there's anything that I've said on your podcast that can help a woman free herself from that, if, even if it's just a tidbit or a catalyst, um, that's basically why I'm here.
1: Yes. Tell everyone listening where they can find more of your work. Maybe shout out the name of the book one more time. (laughs) Anywhere else you want to direct people.
2: Yes, absolutely. The name of the book is Drop the Ball, Achieving More by Doing Less. You can find it at TiffanyDufu.com or you can go to DropTheBall.com. My message to women on Valentine's Day is to love yourself. Drop the ball. Oh my God, that's so great.
1: Tiffany, thank you so much for being on the podcast.
2: Thanks, Anne.
0: you know this reminds me a lot of the book that i'm reading right now um it's called emotional agility get unstuck embrace change and thrive and work in life i'm like yes of course (laughs) that is (laughs) like why would why wouldn't i want all those things (laughs) well that's exactly what it is right it's like you want every single one of those things it's like so yeah and uh we all know how much i love reading books by psychologists who like know what they're doing Yeah. So it talks a lot about like self-doubt and like failing, you know, like failing and fear and how to really get out of that and deal with it in all these areas of your life. And so I think um, that I will be really excited to read Tiffany's book next because they kind of go hand in hand for me.
1: Yeah. And it's great. Like there is something about this particular genre of book that like, it feels really, it feels really necessary right now. I mean, not that I'm like, not I mean, I'm always interested in issues of, like, how women negotiate hard choices in their life. But, like, I think I'm a little bit more interested in direct advice in this moment (laughs) than I have been in the past, if you know what I mean. No, totally.
0: And, you know, the thing I like about um, books in this genre, too, is that um, I like that they're really specific. It's like everything's not an existential crisis. I feel like I can be really scatterbrained in these moments of, like like especially right now, but also in moments of just like really trying to actualize change or being really efficient or, you know, I think that for me, all of this boils down to being like a very efficient, high-impact human being. And I like that women are writing books like this.
1: Yes, 100%. I'm
0: going to go do the rest of my day and finish the work that I haven't done all day because I have not been an efficient, high-impact human being. Technical difficulties,
1: it's hard. I'm in the same place. (laughs)
0: we've got this we got this okay <laughs> you can find us many places on the internet on our website callyourgirlfriend.com download it anywhere you listen to your favorite podcast or on iTunes where we would love it if you left us a review you can tweet at us at callyrgf or email us callyrgf at gmail.com you can also find us on Facebook or on Instagram at callyrgf you can even leave us a short and sweet voicemail at 714-681-2943 that's 714-681-CYGF this podcast is produced by Gina Telfack.